You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. We all are afraid of drug interactions with MAO inhibitors. Is this necessary with the newer generation? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, and your host today. With me is Dr. J. Alexander Bodkin. Dr. Bodkin is Chief of the Clinical Psychopharmacology Research Program at the McLean Hospital and Assistant Professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Bodkin divides his time between research and clinical psychopharmacology, teaching psychiatry residents and medical students, and a private consulting practice. He has published extensively in a variety of areas in psychiatric therapeutics and diagnostics. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. You've been working with this newer MAO inhibitor patch now for quite some time. One of the things that people are so afraid of with the history of MAO inhibitors is drug-to-drug interactions. Can you enlighten us on that, please? The science here is limited. It's really based on anecdotes, but that is how really the management of drug safety is, by and large. But the anecdotes of drug-drug interactions with MAO inhibitors tell a fairly clear story. There are a number of different MAO inhibitors, and they have somewhat different personalities in terms of what they interact with. But there are certain sort of unmistakable adverse interactions, and those tend to be with serotonin uptake inhibitors, drugs which, among other things, are serotonin uptake inhibitors, drugs which are direct stimulants, like amphetamine and the idiosyncratic opioid, uh, which is not in as wide use as it used to be, but which made headlines years ago because of its toxic interaction with MAO inhibitors, and that is Demerol or meperidine or pethidine, I guess is the European name for it. But meperidine was, if not the cause, it was the part of the cause of the tragic death of a woman by the name of Libby Zion in New York back in 1984 who had come into the New York Hospital emergency room with abdominal pain and confusion and various problems. She was on Nardil at the time, which is an old-fashioned MAO inhibitor, which is still in use. And the intern, who was in charge of the emergency room at the time, treated her with Demerol. And she got worse. And so he figured she was having more pain, and he treated her with more Demerol, and she died. And her dad, uh, Sidney Zion, who was a writer for the New York Times, brought this to the headlines, you know, it changed many things about the training of interns and the requirement for supervision in emergency wards. And it also emblazoned itself on the minds of American medicine. So we are we are really quite aware of the drug-drug interactions with MAO inhibitors and meperidine, which, as it happens, isn't really used all that much anymore. It probably shouldn't be. It's a fairly dangerous drug in general. But that's definitely out. Then there are a number of kind of more questionable drug-drug interactions, but it's way easier to put on your new product, do not combine with MAO inhibitors, than it is to do a lot of research to show that it would be safe to mix with MAO inhibitors. So basically, when new antidepressants come out, they come out with a label, don't mix with MAO inhibitors. And when new cold medicines come out, over-the-counter cold medicines, you get the same warning. So some of these have more sort of validity than others, but it is wise when you are treating a patient with MAO inhibitors, regardless of the real degree of risk, to avoid certain 
classes of meds in combination. One wants to wash out and not combine SSRIs and SNRIs, those the serotonin uptake inhibiting antidepressants, and cold medicines which are physiologically similar to pseudoephedrine because MAO inhibitors enhance or increase the effect of norepinephrine at the synapse, and pseudoephedrine also increases the presence of norepinephrine at the synapse, and meperidine is, is out of the question, and dextromethorphan, which is sort of similar to meperidine and is used in not very effective over-the-counter cough syrup, isn't a great idea, so one should probably treat one's patient's cough if it needs to be treated with a codeine-based cough syrup. But by and large, that is fairly exhaustive. There are various questionable interactions that need to be considered, but those are the biggies. Those are the ones we have to take quite seriously. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and joining me today is Dr. J. Alexander Bodkin, the chief of the Clinical Psychopharmacology Research Program at the McLean Hospital. We are discussing MAO inhibitors in treating depression. Dr. Bodkin now is the drug interaction risk the same with the older ones like Nardil you mentioned and the newer one, MSAM? That's an interesting question and it's probably not, but the little tiny company that developed it didn't really have the resources to fully investigate this spectrum of interactions. They are probably quite similar to the spectrum of interactions of the oral form of selegiline, uh, which is called Elderpril. It's an anti-Parkinsonian medicine. It's given in very small quantities, and it's not an effective antidepressant given orally unless it's given in huge quantities. But the interactions are probably fairly similar, and that really means that there aren't many. However, because it is an antidepressant, because it is an MAO inhibitor, and because the FDA is very adherent to tradition, they have included in the black box everything that is included in the black box with the stronger or I should say more toxic, old MAO inhibitors. However, there is data, interestingly, which has been published and available, that one of the famous interactions, which is with cold medicine, the cold medicine being pseudoephedrine, under double-blind, placebo-controlled conditions, doesn't have any interaction with the patch at all. I will just say that it made no difference to FDA. It remains in the black box. So, you know, time will tell. It's tendency to interact, while it may be there, is relatively mild compared to other MAO inhibitors. So, you know, one doesn't need to be so worried about it, but one should take, you know, appropriate precautions nonetheless. What about other medicines that are commonly used with antidepressants, such as benzodiazepines or the atypical antipsychotics? Can we mix those with MSAM? Oh, yeah, that is actually a very good point. I mean, this is the day of of rational polypharmacy, or at least fairly rational polypharmacy, and we do tend to combine our psychotropic medicines. And although one wants to avoid mixing it with most other antidepressants, the atypical antipsychotics, which are enjoying a tremendous renaissance in the treatment of non-psychotic patients with mood disorders, lithium, which has a long history of being used in to augment or enhance the effect of antidepressants, benzodiazepines, which are sort of an all-purpose help for people in distress. All of these are perfectly safe with actually any MAO inhibitor, but this one for sure. The only medicines about which to be cautious really are the other antidepressants, but that's probably okay because it's a pretty powerful antidepressant, so if it's what you need, you probably don't need to mix it with other antidepressants, frankly. So is there anything else to worry about when using the patch form of the MAO inhibitor? Right. There really is only one significant 
drug side effect. The SSRIs and actually the old MAO inhibitors and most antidepressants, not all of them, have a spectrum of non-fatal, not terribly dangerous side effects that patients really don't like that they live with. Most effective antidepressants dull the sexual response. They make women anorgasmic and men impotent, or at least they frequently do. They dull the sense of satiety, so over time, chronic treatment with antidepressants really being more the norm these days, people gradually put on weight. Neither of these are effects of the patch at all. There is in some studies a slight improvement in sexual functioning, but in other studies it is neutral. There, there is a net minor weight loss. It's not a future weight loss remedy, but people do not gain weight on it at all. But what they do, unfortunately, and this is true of all transdermal preparations at about the same rate, is they cause irritation at the site of application. The skin is not really made for drug transfer, for medication transfer, and the skin doesn't really like it. So in about a third or maybe a little less than a third of our patients, there is an irritative response. Now, it's only a few of these patients who actually have a serious irritative response who have to give up on it. You know, the, the numbers of people who, in the studies, of which there you know, were several thousand subjects, approximately 2% of people had to stop because of that skin reaction. And I saw it a couple of times, and it can be a very bitter decision that, you know, it's working and I don't want to stop, but I just have to stop. This is too much. But that's almost, it's not vanishingly rare, but it's very rare. So what you have to do is tolerate, you know, an itchy red spot, which goes away in a couple of days. You also have to actually move it from place to place. You, one would not leave this patch any more than one would leave a nicotine patch in the same spot day after day. Each day it goes to a new place. I mean, you can repeat after a couple of days, but you don't just put it on and leave it in one place. That really is the drug side effect. At the higher doses, it causes insomnia. And beyond that, you're really getting into no difference from the placebo. So it is what you would have to call an extremely low side effect medicine, which is in itself a very valuable characteristic because antidepressants in general are not free of side effects. Who would be best for the MAO inhibitor patch? What kind of patient? There is a big but old literature about this from the days when MAO inhibitors were widely used, and, the, and there was another family, which were the predecessors of the current SSRIs, but they were the tricyclics. And what we learned in those days was that the people who did best on MAO inhibitors and, and comparatively least well on the uptake inhibitors, which later become the SSRIs, or people with what is called atypical depression. This accounts for something like 15% of our clientele, and they're people whose energy is low, whose depressions are, you know, whose mood is quite responsive to events. They can be cheered if things go well frequently, but are crushed if things go badly, pathologically disturbed by personal rejection. And rather than having insomnia, these patients are likely to have hypersomnia. They kind of take to bed, sometimes to sleep, sometimes just to hide out when they're feeling low. And rather than lose their appetite and lose weight and become essentially anorectic in the midst of a depression, the way a melancholic patient will, the atypical depressive will tend to eat more, will find soothing. And these things combine in different ways, but basically the low energy feature and the oversleeping feature are pretty common in the population who'd best on MAO inhibitors. There's also actually a separate literature that shows that a whole group of people who have these features but also happen to also get manic, the bipolar 
population, although it is not approved for bipolar illness, but the bipolar population does particularly well on MAO inhibitors, and this has been known since the 80s. Bipolar depressives tend to oversleep, they tend to overeat, and their energy is profoundly low, the mirror image of what they're like when they're high. On the scales, if we have time to go into it, on the scales, when we look at the specific items on the depression rating scales that did best, the single thing that does best of all is what is called lassitude, which is a loss of drive and engagement. You know, it's a British term, it's a British scale that we were using, but it is this kind of dragging your feet and not really feeling like having to push yourself to do what you need to do. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. J. Alexander Bodkin. We have been discussing the only antidepressant patch, MSAM. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.